0: You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your next order hope you had a good weekend and a happy Monday so far. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of whole 9 where you can find all of my written work. Today, we'll recap some more mock drafts to see where Florida Gators have been winding up. We'll also be taking a look at this past week for Florida baseball and Florida softball. Also, keep in mind that draft coverage is really going to be ramping up even more this week. And I'll be looking to bring on some more guests to talk about Gators in the draft. If you have any suggestions for who to bring in, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter to let me know who. Also, thank you to the person who left a review but didn't leave a name on Apple Podcasts. I'll be working on my delivery for you. Like you suggested, please do leave a review or reach out to me in any way so that I can work around that to make this the best Gators podcast possible. Before we get started, Just a reminder to follow Lockdown Gators wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Of course, every mock draft Monday is going to start off pretty much the same way. We're going to talk about Kyle Pitts and where he's going because he's just getting drafted so early that I get that it seems a little repetitive with the teams, but there's information this week that I've never really mentioned with him. Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated pointed out, with Kyle Pitts going 6th to the Dolphins, that his reasoning is something I know I have not spoken about. Dolphins co-offensive coordinator and tight ends coach George Godse was in New England, where of course we know head coach Brian Flores came from, and Godse was there as an offensive assistant and tight ends coach when they were at their prime of tight end production in the early 2010s. With Gesicki and Pitts, this offense could try achieving that Patriot-level success again. Mike Crum of Yahoo Sports also had Pitts going 6th to the Dolphins. I'm rewinding just a little bit to last week after the Mock Draft Monday review episode came up for Locked On Gators, where I'm taking a peek at Mel Kuyper Jr.'s most recent Mock Draft where he had Kyle Pitts still going to the Miami Dolphins but the little twist here is that Mel Kuyper had the Dolphins trading up 2-4 to the Miami Dolphins of course that means that they traded up with the Atlanta Falcons and this means that the Dolphins would be so adamant to get Pitts that they'll have to trade up for him and this one is what I would take with a little more weight just given that Mel Kuyper does have connections and could be hearing these things from the league. really. Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports had Pitts being drafted fifth overall to the Bengals. I've spoken about this just about every Monday. I'm sure I'll cover it even more before the draft hits. I love Kyle Pitts. And I understand, you know, a team that needs offensive help just everywhere. So I understand wanting to be like, hey, let's add the best offensive player in the draft. So I totally understand that. But this is one of my least favorite fits for him. It's completely selfish, too. I want to make that very clear. It's just one, frankly, I want to watch Kyle Pitts, but I don't want to watch the Bengals. So again, completely selfish. I don't want him to be a franchise that's been as constantly mismanaged as the Bengals have been. And yes, this team has a ton of offensive needs and Kyle Pitts can address them. But I don't know if they don't address offensive line early. If there's going to be a quarterback to throw the ball to him, that's alive on the roster. I just don't know how Joe Burrow can make it another year taking those hits We've already seen him not be able to make it, make it through his first year. So that worries me a ton also, especially given rookie tight ends don't produce well, would just be then further verified if Kyle Pitts can't produce early and often, even though it could be because his offensive line is terrible and his quarterbacks are dying back there. The huge consensus at this point in the draft process, which I mean tail end draft is in 10 days so super excited for that but the, the huge consensus here is that Kyle Pitts is going to be drafted between fourth and sixth overall next week so there's not a ton of wiggle room here we've spoken about only maybe four or five teams that are even options for him at this point and one of the teams that we've spoken about a good deal that I like a ton of for Kyle Pitts are the Carolina Panthers. They're picking 8th overall, and we know that, of course, Matt Rule loves Kyle Pitts. They've spoken multiple times. But if they really do want him, it's looking like they'll have to trade up for him. Because, again, 4th to 6th overall is at Wheelhouse. We've spoken about, again, just 4 to 5 teams, really, that are even in play for him at this point. So if the Panthers are going to want him they're going to have to trade up. We've seen in a mock draft before the Cardinals trade up to get him. They traded up to seven to get him. At this point, it looks like they're going to have to trade up into that four to six range if they were to get him. And then the last really mock that I'm going to talk about, or I already spoke about, but the last pick is Yahoo Sports Mike Crum, who had Kyle Pitts going sixth overall to the Dolphins. He had one pick that I very strongly disagree with, and he had Kadarius Toney going to the Titans, which is totally fine, but he had him going there 53rd overall in the second round. And to me, that is just absolutely absurd. Today's NFL is all about spacing, getting guys in space, and getting guys who can make those plays in space. So that is exactly what Kadarius Toney is. He's someone that he can get open on his own, sure, but designate touches Get him touches any way you can manufacture them for him. He will produce. And so for him to possibly fall to 53rd overall, I can't see it happening. I just can't. I see him clearly as a first round talent, just given his home run threat ability every single time he touches the ball. So for me, this pick was just absolutely absurd. And I had to bring it up because yes, I love the fit with Tennessee, but 53rd overall, honestly, honestly, Kind of laughable. I I try not to be too harsh, but that one is genuinely insane to me. Just a reminder also, the over-under for Kyle Pitts' draft position is 5.5. Personally, I think he's going before that. Where am I going to bet on that? Bet online, of course. Bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV, with real-time updated odds and props on almost every anything you can imagine, it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. The Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live day one draft coverage. Get the brooms out. Gators are now on a 5 game winning streak following their two opening losses to the tennessee volunteers of course that was a bit eh. but with continued dominance over the seminoles then sweeping the missouri tigers they're right back on track and i will not apologize for bringing up the florida state game again because how can you ever get sick about hearing about beating the knolls it just can't happen over the five game streak jack Leftwich won two two games bringing his record for the season up to six and two and we finally got to see christian scott pick up his first two wins of the season shifting focus from florida state's losses or loss to the missouri series through rain delays and doubleheaders, the gators luckily got to walk away with a 22 to 15 score through the series i only say luckily because they actually got to play their games not because they got to win. Kirby McMullen and Josh Rivera are two names that I don't think I've even mentioned on this podcast yet, but they both played huge parts in two of the three wins versus Missouri. Kirby McMullen had three RBIs in the series opener versus Missouri when he had a three run homer to left to uh, left center in a game that ended up only being decided by three runs. In this second game of the series The Gators went down big early, 5-0 by the middle of the second inning. Josh Rivera chipped away at that lead, not once, but twice. Rivera opened up scoring for the Gators with a sack fly to bring in their first run of the game. And then later on in the game, he had a two-run single in the fifth to make the score 6-5 for the Gators. So he not only opened scoring, but he also gave us our first run of the game. The third game of the series, and the second of the doubleheader on Saturday, was easily the ugliest offensively for the Gators. Sure, they scored six runs, so I guess, yeah, great, that looks awesome for them. But my lord, was it ugly. Usually, if you're talking about a team in baseball and you hear nine walks, ten hits, you're thinking that team had a dominant performance across the board, And I don't know about you, but I would expect more than six runs from a team that had nearly double-digit walks and double-digit hits. However, the Gators, of course, only scored six runs in that game. And that's not even the part that's, I'll say, upsetting to me. The part is that the Gators left (laughs) whopping 13 runners on base during that third game. For those of you who don't know or need me to put it in some kind of different perspective for you, they left 13 runners on base in the first two games of that Missouri series combined, which, again, they then did in the third game alone, which is just pitiful. You cannot leave that many base runners on base during a game. And I hate to say it, but if they were playing any team either than Missouri or almost any other team other than Missouri in the SEC, they didn't deserve to win that game. Luckily, we did. But leaving that many runners on base and just having that many scoring opportunities and not capitalizing on them, not great baseball there. It was very ugly. And luckily, it's behind us. Luckily, it happened against a team that's not great competition for the Gators. But you need to clean that up. Defensively, third game wasn't great for the Gators either. We saw them give up three runs in the final two innings and put the game way closer than it should have ever been. During that third game, the Missouri Tigers scored four runs. Of the four runs, two of them were earned. Two of them were not earned. The first two were the ones that were earned in the third and eighth innings. But then when you go into the ninth inning... Of course, the Gators had an error, which then led to unearned runs. The error was committed by Jordan Carrion. And then we saw Clayton Peterson and Ty Wulmsmeyer both both drive in runs for Missouri. And it was just ugly baseball all around. the third game, not great, not awful, but not great. And like I said, if it was against better competition, would have probably gone the other way. But, in terms of at least winning games, whether they're ugly or clean, wins are wins, the Gators are getting hot at just the right time. But, there are expectations for this team that are still higher than the level that we've seen the Gators play at. So, yes, winning games, that's wonderful. But, we need to be able to win games cleaner and honestly more dominantly just that's just the Gator way we expect the best and we have not gotten that to this point so hopefully keep getting hot keep picking things up and then we'll head right into the College World Series this coming week however the Gators take on Jacksonville on the road before heading to Auburn for a road series this weekend flipping sides to something that does exceed expectations Bilt Bar is the best protein bar on the market. It has 18 delicious flavors including recent Bilt Bar Champion Coconut Brownie Chunk. Personally though I'm a cookie dough chunk or peanut butter brownie kinda of guy. That's just how I like it. If you're trying to eat clean but you've got a sweet tooth like I definitely do that's no longer a problem. Bilt Bar is your low calorie low sugar, high protein, and high fiber solution. You can even enjoy it if you're keto. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That's LOCKED1515 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Today, through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Locked On and Audacity, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaCanfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our our local experts for every team will make trades and pick the next stars for their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all. All sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. The Florida Gators softball team just finished arguably their most important series to date when they took on Alabama this past weekend. Of course, going into the series, Alabama was ranked number three and the Gators were ranked number five nationally. New rankings haven't come out yet, but hopefully when they do, we'll see some little flipping around there. And the Gators, honestly, could be fighting for that number three spot. In this series, the Gators won two of the three games. And we could see Oregon drop a little bit after they lost three of their four to number six, Washington. So with number three, Alabama losing two games to Florida, and Oregon losing three of their four, we could see the Gators ranked in the top three when the new rankings come out. The first game of the series was a tight one, as the Gators won 2-0 following a Sarah Longley single that would drive in the only runs of the game. Elizabeth Hightower, of course, is Elizabeth Hightower, and she pitched a complete game shutout in which she allowed just three hits, and she got to bring her overall record for the season to 15-2. The second game was just significantly more exciting. I mean, sorry, significantly more exciting if you're a Gators fan. By the end of the fourth inning, the score was tied 2-2, and of course, that not super exciting. But then the Gators started to find their rhythm, and in the sixth inning alone, they scored five runs. Of course, four of those five runs came when Kendall Lindemann drove in a grand slam over the left field wall. It was truly a beautiful thing to see. And you love to see a grand slam. Always. It's always just great baseball, softball, whatever level you're even looking at. Grand slams are good for the sport. Of course, to end the series on a low note, the Gators, of course, dropped the last game of the series 4-2 to when Elizabeth Hightower picked up just her third loss of the season. It is, however, hard to really fault her for that. She allowed four hits, again, and four runs, but only one of those runs were earned. However, I would also like to point out that while only one run was earned because of errors, one of the errors was committed by Elizabeth Hightower herself when she got a throwing error. So hard to fault her because unearned runs, but also she's the source of one of those unearned runs. Julia Catrill hit a two run single in the third to drive in the only runs for the Gators. Of course, four to two is the final score little bit of an ugly loss and by that i mean a very ugly loss like of course four runs only one earned just that's just ugly softball and it seems that apparently in the third game of the series neither gators baseball nor gators softball know how to really field a ton or score so i don't know what to tell you there it was just ugly (laughs) overall for this series however the games were hard fought And they were nonetheless impressive victories. And, of course, one loss that was very avoidable by just playing cleaner. However, hard-fought games, nonetheless. You're looking at two of the top softball programs in the nation right there. Elizabeth Hightower continued to do Elizabeth Hightower things by putting forth two more strong showings, which, I mean, really, does she ever have a showing that isn't strong? offense was difficult to come by for the most part as the top three rbi getters on the roster combined for just two rbis in the entire series so we look at the series we say hey not a 10 runs scored the main producers did not produce and it's hard to win games with just your role players doing that so totally understandable there or at least sorry not understandable but we can see why that the offense wasn't producing the way they should have, the best scores were not scoring. And with just a few short weeks left in the season, the Gators softball team are actually positioning themselves for a high seed in the Women's College World Series. Of course, like I mentioned, they could be the number three seed or the number three ranked team in the nation. This week, Alabama was number three before They lost to Florida. Oregon was number four before. They lost three out of four games to number six, Washington. So I could expect the Gators to be a top three. Maybe Washington gets up to four, Alabama five, Oregon six. Who knows? Either way, I know Gators should be a top three team when the new rankings come out. And of course, like I mentioned, they're positioning themselves for a high seed in the College World Series in Oklahoma and I feel like I can't say that state name without mentioning that they're likely going to have to play Oklahoma at some point and Oklahoma just looks like an absolute buzzsaw that can't be stopped right now they are currently undefeated all good things must come to an end I guess Gonzaga I'll bring up I guess I guess that's a solid point to bring up there The Gators this week will be taking on Florida Gulf Coast University on the road and then they'll come back to Gainesville to take on South Carolina for a three-game series. That does it for today's episode. Next episode, I'll be taking an in-depth look at some ideal landing spots for Kyle Pitts and Kadaris Tony. You saw me do something similar with Kyle Trask last week. Thank you for listening once again. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work at whole9sports.com. That's W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E sports.com. Don't forget to follow Locked on Gators so that you never miss an episode. And again, please do leave a review, reach out to me on Twitter, do whatever you can to get in touch with me. I would like to make this the best Gators podcast around. Also, Be sure to check out Lockdown NFL Draft to hear more gems from Benjamin Solak and Trevor Sikema, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and dedicated to covering the NFL Draft year-round.